Hey, welcome to Bonehead. Can we start off and ask what? Can, can we start off and ask James what the hell you're wearing? What? What am I wearing, or what James? No, James. Wearing? It's some James kind of is wearing clothes. Look, he is that is, one of my this, old shirts? It is. This is an old time. I was going to ask you, where did you even find this? Because this actually looks like what they used to wear in the West. You know, the it, thing it, is, is that shirt is from the late to early two thousands. But you from, know from, that. They would always show the old prospector that basically was in long johns and all that stuff. That's what it was. Either that or you're, you've joined a cult. It was one of those two. This is. I mean, you feel the material. It is. I'm like, how in the world did Joe find this? Because I was gonna, I literally put it on because I'm like, I need to wear my old timey prospector. Looks like I already wore the sexy out of it. It was either that or I'm like, oh god, never had any. It was. (laughs) It was either that or oh god, James is bringing Heaven's Gate back. Knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Gate. Does it quite rhyme? Does it work? Mm. Fuck you, Michael Chimino. <laughs> Nobody's getting that joke. All right. So, I mean, I got it. I got it. Yeah. He's dead now, so I guess I have nothing to answer for. What are you guys doing? You guys all right? <laughs> you okay? What have you been doing lately? <laughs> so, Hello. gentlemen, this is Westerns Part 2. We're and doing this again. Week. Yes. We didn't talk about Westerns enough. Just a shout out to our. Well, there goes my script about dangerous minds. I got nothing. Dangerous minds. <laughs> I thought you said yeah. dangerous minds for a second, and I was going to be interested. <laughs> that Marcel Marceau. Yeah, I was about to can. say, can you imagine a mind pantomiming that song, living in the gangster? How do you? How do you do that? Oh, I thought you're doing knocking on heaven's door still. I don't no, know. that'd be that's easy enough because you just have some sort of door of heaven and knocking on. Anyway, so westerns part two is. Uh, what was I going to say? Doesn't matter. I, I don't know. You don't send us your scripts. I don't write it down. I just talk. No. So we just we were we decided to do westerns part two just because of the simple fact that there are so many great westerns out there that we could. Westerns cover is it. something that we all enjoyed doing that one episode. And we thought, why don't we do it again? Which means yeah. it won't work. No, but we'll we'll give it the good old. Yeah, uh, we'll give, we'll screw it up. Is what he's about to yeah, say. Yeah, don't yeah. worry, we'll screw it up somehow, somewhat. Gentlemen, I'm telling you, I could do another one after this one. I don't know if we will. Would you say? As could I, because I'm, I'm, you know, again, I picked three because I wanted to, I wanted to, to show how em- massive the Western genre can actually be. E massive. As a yeah, shut up. But there, but there were several that I had to leave out because I wanted to cover three that covered that 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 you know notion. Well, see, I went a little differently this time of, I was trying to think of three other ones like I did. So I I gave so much thought to the three that I thought were the most important and influential, which I love them. But mm-hmm. this time I just went ahead and picked three Westerns I just love to watch. And I hope you didn't pick the one that I am going to choose. Because uh, it, I know, James, I'm worried about picking one of mine, but there's one I'm definitely worried that you picked. So well, how about we let you, James? Do you have anything to say before we go ahead? No, I well, was, that was I great, was, fantastic, Chad. I was just—I was actually just going to scream at to quote the Lord our Savior from Monty Python. Get on with it! Oh, thank God he wasn't going to go into Marshall Applewhite because that would have been awkward. Three minutes, Timely. two and a half minutes of it was James. Yeah. So <laughs> what? Okay. So I I picked mine. I'll tell you later about our Mick Garris episode. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I picked High Noon as my favorite Western of all time. Yeah. And I wanted to talk 
at the beginning about the one I struggled with uh, between that and High Noon? That and Heroin. Uh, it is famous for one particular line. Yep. Uh, any other things? This is the West, sir. When the legend becomes fact, print oh, the legend. Print the legend. I'll, yeah, yeah, you hit me. Is that the one you were afraid I was going to pick? Yeah. Oh, you got mine. God, you got mine. I got James. You got heart. it. That was going to be my first one. But you got it's it. such a good fucking movie. And by the way, if, if the such viewers don't know story. what we're and viewers, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, we're talking about the man who shot Liberty Valance. Liberty Valance. And by the way, it wasn't which Jimmy Stewart. Great, which has yeah. a great theme song, which sums up the man who shot Liberty Valance. Liberty Valance, yeah. Uh, with so the man it, who shot Liberty Valance. As Joe mentioned, it is directed by the amazing John Ford. Or as his friends called him, oh my God, don't hit me, Jack yeah. Ford. <laughs> and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that. And James, if you want to chime in on some of this, I, feel free. I, all I want to say is every stereotypical Western actor, character actor from Denver Powell, yep, yeah, Mar- uh, to Struther Martin, is in this movie, and God bless him for it. Yeah, because we need more Denver Powell. Yeah, and and this is a now who's I want to go watch it. It, I do too, and I, I, I'm I'm dying to watch it after because I wrote it, and I, the whole time I'm thinking about the movie, and I just want to watch it again. Uh, but it was it was directed by John Ford. It was written by James Warner Bella, and Willis Goldbeck. Uh, James Warner Bella, I looked him up. James, I don't know if you have any information on him, but he was a pilot during World War One, um, and he wrote the original. That's when they held the bombs out the side and just dropped them. Yeah, it's actually not a joke. I mean. Yeah, it, they had yeah. The, they had droppable bombs. And yeah, they they would literally drive on a biplane and drop a bomb out of their hand, just use out off the side. Um, and he wrote the original Saturday Evening Post story that went on to become another popular western, Western Rio Grande. Um, now Willis Goldbeck, his writing partner for this movie, uh, he's also known for writing a certain film. And as soon as I say uh, this hint, you're you're both going to get it. Todd Browning's best film. Freaks? Freaks. Correct. Correct. Gobble, um, gobble, gobble. Uh, it stars John Wayne, James Stewart, Vera Miles, and Lee Marvin. And again, as James mentioned, the list could go on. I just don't want to spend the, a big chunk of time talking right. about the actors. It is an, a massive cast. Uh, the movie, I'm not going to give too much away. If, if, if us talking about this and showing how much we love this movie get you to watch it. I don't want to ruin anything for you other than I'm going to tell you this part. It's just about a lawyer returning to a small Western town to attend a funeral of a friend. Um, and during this time there, he tells a journalist about a previous visit where a well-known event happened. That's it. That's all I'm going to tell you. Trust me. I'm not doing it justice. This is a classic film. Um, it has John, John Waynes and James Stewart play very well off one another. Just everything about this movie is amazing. Um, I do want to go into some facts because, again, as Joe mentioned, John Ford yep. is a notorious asshole, but he he loved making films, and in particular, he hated John Wayne. Hated him. I can't <laughs> express the word hate. They made so many movies together. They made so many movies, and they hated him. And on this movie, he did not want John Wayne. Um, he wanted it somebody else. And the studio made him pick John Wayne. And he made John Wayne know that throughout the entire movie. Um, 
uh, again, he made everyone uh, on the film miserable from John Wayne to James Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart, uh, for the most part, was not really subject to his ridicule, but he made the mistake of talking about an actor's costume and John Ford laid into him and called him every name in the book. Uh, the only actor who was spared his verbal abuse. Do either one of you know this? No, I don't know this. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin is the only actor ever that was. That On they... this movie. I don't know about period over all of John Ford's movies, but he never once gave Lee Marvin grief. Uh, Lee Marvin. And this is mainly because he, he respected his service in world war two. Yeah, um, and, and also Marvin was an actual badass, by the way. For and he was. Who don't know it? Yes, he was. So not only did he admire him for that, but he also admired his acting abilities. Uh, there's one story where they were in the middle of a pretty intense scene, and Lee Marvin arrived late, and he came in and did a really loud whistle, and the entire the entire crew froze, thinking John Ford was going to lose his shit, and all he said was, "That's Lee for you," because it turned out the whistle that Lee did is a famous whistle that they did in the military. So John Ford respected that. Jack Ford, he was an American man. Uh, but no, he really hated John Wayne. And I want to talk a little bit about how much he hated John Wayne. Uh, I do want to mention uh, one other notable fact about the Vanish Shot Liberty Phalanx. This is the first time ever John Wayne used the word pilgrim. And I didn't he think I knew that. And he used it a total of, I believe, 27 times. Mm. Uh, Willie Strode famously, uh, he is an African-American actor. Mm -hmm. You all should give Willie, Willie Strode some of the respect. If you don't know who he, who he is, look him up, look at his movies. He deserves a lot of more He's respect. He's also on The Searchers. Yeah, than he is given. He is an amazing actor. Uh, and he did all of his own stunts. He was physically fit, um, mainly because it was hard to find an African-American stunt double at the time who could also match Willie, Willie Strode's athleticism. Uh, now, he was actually 47 when they shot this film, which is was only seven years younger than Wayne. Yeah. Um, and Willie Strode did all of his own stunts. Wayne refused. Uh -huh. And Ford particularly took interest in this <laughs> and, let we, and let John Wayne know how big of a pansy he was for not wanting to do his own stunts. <laughs> uh, there was a scene where Strode had to pull Wayne, who was using a stunt double, um, out of a burning building. And Willie did this repeatedly. Uh, Ford kept giving Wayne so much grief after each take about his stunt double being there that Wayne eventually relented and performed the scene on his own. The only time where Wayne actually went and did his own stunts. Um, but it goes back, honestly, every second that Wayne, Wayne called this one of the most miserable experiences in his film history. Uh huh. Ford was on a tear because Ford did not want him. Ford did not like him. And he let Wayne know it at every convenience, which is one reason why I want to respect John Ford even more. Because <laughs> Ford was <laughs> I, his own I, asshole, too. Yeah, oh, I know. Although but, he did serve a little bit more in World War II than John Wayne. John Wayne, which John Wayne served none. So you know. <laughs> that was the joke. Yeah, no. But for those who don't know, John Wayne didn't serve a day in World War II. Nor did um, his sons. Nor did any of his sons, yeah. Um, no, but I, again, The Man Who Shot Liberty's Violence is one of those rare instances of cinematic, cinematic gold. 
every minute of it. And, you know, uh, another John Ford was given grief for shooting this in black and white because at the time Technicolor was available, but John Ford loved black and white. And there's, I, I can't believe, did you all know that there are several conspiracy theories about why this is in black and white? No. Why would there be conspiracy theories? Because there's so many stories about what, for one thing, John Ford loved black and white. Yeah. There's another saying that, um, the the studio cut the budget so mm-hmm. much for this movie that that's why they had to shoot most of this on sound stages when he really wanted to go to um the um, i'm blanking on this the location he saw it, most of his films in one location. monument valley thank you monument valley and he um you're welcome that's what wanted, i'm here for and he wanted to use technicolor film stock but they cut the budget so much that he went to black and white another one is John Wayne and Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart were just too damn old for these parts. I mean, Jimmy Stewart was, I think, 50-something at the time yeah. of this movie, and he was playing a 30-year-old lawyer. He wears a wig in some of the scenes, right? Yeah, and they shot it in black and white to hold to just kind of hide how old they actually were. Um, yeah. So those are the three ongoing reasons of why they shot in black and white, but nothing definitive, which I find oh, amazing. Real quick, Jimmy Stewart told the story about jack ford and i'm not calling him that because i know him it's just if any interview of people who knew him they call him jack jack ford john ford would he would relentlessly beat up on wayne yeah it wasn't just that movie it was many many movies oh yeah and one time john jack ford asked stewart his opinion about somebody's performance and he said i don't know it's a little uncle remus isn't it at which case, and this is where gathered, Ford laid into him, and yeah. he gathered everyone around the south stage, and he said, "You could just see," and he called him the Duke. You could just see the Duke doing this, watching it rip into yeah. Jimmy Stewart. I'm making a smiling face for our people listening, and just was so ecstatic to watch Jack Ford rip in to America's Tom Hanks, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> And this was this was the one time I was referencing of where he really laid into Jimmy Stewart. For the most part, Jimmy Stewart, you know, was left a clean. Little, I'm almost positive that was the line that he said to. You're I, exa- I that's to ex- no, you're exactly right. That's the line. It, because I, I heard Jimmy Stewart tell the story later in an interview. It's a little mm-hmm. Uncle Remus, and he, then he gathered people around before mm-hmm. he berated him. Yep. Ah, directors. At one point, at one point, was there a better gig? (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. So that's my pick. That's a fantastic movie. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's one of my mom's favorite westerns too. I know there was things there. I knew there was things why we had so much in common. (laughs) About my mom? I don't know. Well, it's just because you have sex with her. James, (laughs) go. You you want me? Okay, I. Let me. Uh, uh, I can go if you're not ready. Yeah, no, no. I go ahead and go. I, All I right. Wanna, so I don't want to steal your first pick, and I'm afraid. No, I'm you're not going to steal mine. I'm going to go ahead and, and I, this is. I already mentioned this one the other day, and I. But I cannot not mention it because it's one of my favorite movies. We did a bonehead fun bonehead fun size of what movie we would pick, and it'll be coming out later of what movie we would pick to show our personalities. I guess I shouldn't give it away now, but Blazing Saddles is it. Blazing Saddles is still a western. It's a meta Western. It mm-hmm. talks about Westerns, but at the end of the day, it's still a Western. And I, it, Ghostbusters, let's see, The Thing, Citizen Kane, sometimes Wizard of Oz are just movies that if they're on and I'm flipping through, which I don't get to do anymore. We were talking about that right before we started sh- shooting. I'll stop and watch them. 
and blazing saddles makes me happy mm -hmm. if the world is burning down and sometimes some days it is if the kids screaming we had a long day blazing saddles makes me happy now i could tell you the plot of blazing saddles i'm not going to if you've never seen it then you should watch it if you get offended we probably can't be friends i don't know Makes whether sense, this gentlemen. is a comedy or a homicide Probably can't be friends with that guy, can we, Chad? No, I close. never was. I hated that guy. We're not close. I didn't hate him, but uh, anyway. Oh, I hated him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody we knew in college. Now, that's being said, I can tell you 5,000 things about Blazing Saddles. I'll tell you one story. Blazing Saddles was written by Andrew Bergman. It was actually called Tex X at the beginning. It was only a 40, 50-page outline, and, to, and who became a director and a writer of his own right. Yep. Andy Bergman, as people know, knew him, was a dentist, wanted to be a screenwriter. And this got to Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was broke. His movies, The Twelve Chairs, and people forget the producers, even though we won him an Academy Award and we never stopped talking about it, was not a hit. It was a flop when it came out. It wasn't a hit at all. He needed money. Okay? So he took on this project, and he assembled a writing room. And one of the people in that writing room was one of the best stand-up comedians of all time. Chad? Uh, uh, Pre-recording pre conversation, Joe? I just caught Jeff Goldblum in my hand. Chad has been chasing a fly for the last hour and a half. <laughs> Chad, seriously, you, can't, you made I me had forget to... Richard Pryor's name, Chad. <laughs> I was on a tan. I, I, and I was – did you see that? I was, there was no us. There was nothing. It was just very succinct. And it's like, I got Jeff Goldblum that, in my hand. This fly. Anyway. Has Richard said Pryor, mean things to me. One of the, maybe some people consider the greatest stand-up comedian of all time was one of the rugs. He was actually originally meant to play Bart. Studio didn't want him because why, Chad? What did Richard Pryor enjoy doing? The cocaine. He loved the cocaine. And my God, it probably was pretty good. He was a bit of a liability at the time. He was a little bit of a liability, even though he would still blow up. So he, he actually never really, he was still always held, held a grudge and he didn't get to play like Bart. So one of the best lines or one of the lines you, or a lot of the lines you think in Blazing Saddles that are racial, you thought were written by him. That's not true. His no. favorite thing to write was lines from Mungo, like Mungo only pawn in Game of Life. Game of Life. That's Richard Pryor, by the way, hilarious line. The best line he wrote for the whole movie, Mel Brooks cut. I still to this day say that was a mistake. Oh, it if, was definitely a mistake. If you're familiar with the movie, when he, when he, when Black Bart and, oh, what's her name? The Teutonic Titwillow. I'll just say Madeline Kahn. Go Let's ahead. just say Madeline Kahn. So Madeline Kahn and Cleavon Little are in the room. The light goes out. They start, she goes, is it true what they say about your people? And then you hear the fly unzip. And then you hear, it's true, it's true, it's true. The joke ends. That's not where the joke ended. In the Jeff, original Richard Pryor writing. The next line. escaped. What'd you say? Jeff Goldblum escaped. Nobody cares. And the next line would have been, hey, baby, you're sucking on my arm. Yep. <laughs> that is what we call comedy genius. I'm done. James? You know, I, I've got to talk about one that's a little bit more uh, recent um, and probably owns, owes its existence a little bit to the fact that Unforgiven was a success. Um, but I want to I want to mention because I looked this up and it blew my mind. 
because the author of the novel this book was or this movie was based on wrote over a thousand novels and i literally was looking this up and i'm like holy daylight most of them were westerns and i was like this guy makes uh, louis lamar look like a ha i mean how did this guy and his name is or the, his pen name was lauren Payne. lauren okay. Payne. larry p uh, it, his actual name um, uh, it was um, matter. Lawrence Kerfman Derby Jr. Pen name's better. So he went by Payne. Um, but he was born in 1916, actually did not die until 2001. But he wrote so many books. Stephen King talks about, you know, Stephen King developed his pen name because he wanted to, could I still be? Well, this man actually had a ton of pen names, including... Mark Carroll, John Kilgore, Clay Allen, A.A. Andrews, Dennis Archer, John uh, Amore, Carter Ashby, Harry Beck, Will Benton. It goes on because he would, was turning out so many Westerns. But his novel, that he's only had two of these novels made into film, which kind of shocked me because he was insanely popular. His novel, The Open Range Men, became Open Range with Kevin Costner. Directed by Kevin Costner. It's a fantastic Western. Stars a great cast. Costner, Robert Duvall, Michael Gambon, Annette Benning, Michael Jeter. Just a great cast. Uh, is that the, Michael Jeter's last role, isn't it? Yes. Matter of fact, the film's dedicated to him at the end. Yeah. The, the general outline is that the, they're, they're open range men. They, they don't farm. I mean, they graze their, on their open prairie. Well, the open prairie's disappearing and you have a boss that's taking it over, and it people end up dying. I mean, there's this idea of who owns what, what happens there, and it's, again, just another snapshot of the West as they knew it is disappearing, and they get called back to basically try to right a wrong, and things don't go well, and, and it is, again, there's something fascinating about Westerns to me that look at that time when the West was dying. Yeah. When, you know, that you can't just have open range. Well, now I own this land and I don't want your cattle on my land. Right. And so they find themselves, you know, there's an inevitable showdown between the old West and the new West of who has control of land. Uh, that, that idea of defending the freedom of a lifestyle that's going away. And it's, it's just, I, I, I don't want to give away the ending or anything, but it is a great Western that looks at the fact that, Really, the Western, as we know it, the true time period of the Wild West is an extremely narrow window. Much, you know, if you watch Westerns, it seems like it lasted, you know, a century. It didn't. It was really arguably a 10 to 20 year period. And this movie looks at what happens when that time period ends. Yeah. But it does it in such an entertaining way. And, you know, the Kingpin Rancher is Michael Gambon, Sir Michael Gambon. Uh, and, and just Kevin Costner directed it. Um, the screenplay was actually written, and this kind of shocked me because you've got this, this author of novels who's written a ton of books. The screenplay was written by Craig Storper. And if the name Craig Storper is really familiar to you, I am shocked because I was kind of shocked that he is the one they tapped to do the screenplay. If you look him up, his first credits on IMDb is not for screenplays. He's a grip. Yep. His writing credits included the after-school special episode High School Narc from 1985. 
It was based on Chad's life. Uh, 1986, a TV movie, The Truth About Alex. 1988, One Fine Night, which was a short film. And then Are you getting nothing, to something this? <laughs> nothing. Nothing for 15 years. What's his first thing after 15 years? 2003, Open Range. And he's done one thing since then, which was uh, um, an episode of Into the West, a TV miniseries. Okay. But otherwise, he makes his living as a grip, uh, as, as a technical, uh, you know, as, a, as we, I'd love to interview him. He's worked on some great things. Well, contact him. I just wanted to bring that up because if you've not seen Open Range, it is a, it is a great Western of its type. All right, Chad, what's your second pick? All right, so Joe, leave your comments at the door. Uh, I know I could pick many classic uh, Westerns, uh, but I wanted to pick this one because of cultural significance. Um, and uh, it's, it's not a well-known Western. In fact, it's just kind of been lost to time. People don't remember it at all. 1993's Posse. Okay. The, it's not a comment. It's just it has one of the most cliched lines in it of all time that always drives me crazy. What's that? You go to hell. Well, you tell – I'll see you oh, in hell. Yeah. Well, you tell them Jesse sent you. Sent you. Yeah. No. And I'm going to be I honest. I remember from the trailer. Was that his last – the villain's last movie, that, that actor? Uh, he was also on Logan's Run. I can never remember his name. You know, I need to look. I don't know. He I died shortly after that. I don't He's know. not Michael York. It's Sorry, he's the villain in, in Logan's run. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, this is not a perfect film by far. Um, I no. find it entertaining. It, it, it is very flawed. You know, Ed, good luck finding a, a positive review on it. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, it is culturally significant because it is mostly, a, it's a Western with an almost all African American cast. Yeah. With the exception of Stephen Baldwin. Um, and, uh, you know, the villains are, are, are white as well. But, I mean, culturally significant, all African-American cast doing a legit Western. Yep. Um, and it tells, it tells a really good – it tells an interesting story, and I want to talk about that at moment. It was actually directed and stars Mario Van Peebles. Um, it was written by Cy Richardson and Dario Scardapane. Uh, Cy Richardson, uh, he's only wrote two movies. This one and um, an, another unknown, uh, not a very well-known movie. Um, he's, but he's actually a very prolific working actor. If you look it up, he's done a, a, over almost 150 roles. Um, lost my place. I'm sorry. And Dario Scardapan, has, he hasn't done much either. He, he, is, uh, he did write several episodes of Netflix, Netflix's The Punisher. Uh, the movie stars Tommy Lister, who's one of my favorite character actors, Big Daddy Kane, Stephen Baldwin, Charles Lane, Billy Zane, Tone Loke, Pam Greer, and the list could go on. Isaac Hayes, Blair Underwood. It's in a massive cast. Um, the story is about five Buffalo soldiers fighting in Cuba. They discover a gold cache and they flee to America to make their way to a, an African-American town in the West. I think it's called Freedom Land. Um, it was founded by the main character's father. I don't want to, if you're, if this, if this sounds appealing to you, check it out. Uh, again. How not, hard would it be to find though? Huh? Uh, it's it streaming? streaming. It was, I found it recently streaming on Amazon prime. Okay. I haven't seen it since it came out in the early nineties, right? Yeah. 1993. Yeah. Right. Probably that was that his follow up to new Jack city. That was so Mario Van Peebles had a massive hit with new Jack city. Yeah, as a um, Wesley Snipes' uh, star-making performance. Yes. 
Um, and this was his follow-up, and it did not do well. Uh, Roger, uh, if you want to look, Roger Ebert ripped it asunder. Uh, he, uh, his, uh, his, it's not flattering at all. And I, you know, I can't say that I disagree with him. And if Joe made comments about that was your pick really. And oh my God, but it's it, just, it's, it's just, it's a slightly cliched. I get why you picked it. I actually yeah. am not arguing with you. I get why you picked it. And it actually, it's kind of shot cool. Oh, it is. It's, um, it's very pretty and it's very artsy made, yes. well made. Um, and I, I really think Mario Van Peebles, he kind of never really found his way as a prolific director. The man has talent. Um, Gunman is an underappreciated film. He, his best movie is, a, is Badass about his dad. Oh, yeah. He's also a talented director in his own yeah. right. Yeah, and he actually appears in this movie. Uh, my big complaint about this movie, and I still don't know why, there are some, but my, one of my biggest complaints in the movie is how it starts. For some reason, it's just an African-American man sitting in a rocking chair telling this story and rocking back and forth. And then it cuts to what is obviously a modern day photo trying to look like an old timing 1800s Western photo. And it goes, they were the original posse. And then the posse title comes across in flames. It's very, it doesn't make a it's lick bonanza. It's bonanza. Bonanza yeah. appears in. What I uh, so what I what I found interesting about this, and I wish I could have found more stories about it, but I there's finding a lot of history on this movie is very hard. The movie's actually loosely ba based on African American folk folklore, which I did not know. It's several different African American folklores about the Old West merged together into a movie, um, and the stories are also it's stories that the the writer Cy Richardson, who's himself an African American, uh, collected during his childhood. Um, in the early 1900s um, so it is a watch the movie it, it again it is very flawed but just for the historical relevance of an all-american all cast doing a western which at that time was almost unheard of and Mario Van Peebles had a lot of guts to do this movie it didn't work out the way that I was that I don't think he would have hoped but there's there's some significance behind that movie so Joe yeah I didn't see that one coming James or is it Joe? Oh, oh, it's you. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I went third. I'm about to talk about the most quotable Western of all time. You already did. It's called Blazing Saddles. <laughs> I was going to say, we already the did. Second most quotable Western of all. I'm going to talk about the most quotable Western of all time. It's not a comedy. Well, you already did. There's two types of men in this world, Joe Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I. What I'm going to, I, I, I'll I see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I had my quotes pulled up. I didn't know something. So I want to go back through some history of, um, and I'm so sorry about that. About, I lost my spot. You're one of Wales, reckon I'm brought popular. You a bounty hunter? A man's got to do something for a living these days. James, what's the next line? Dying, Dying ain't a living, no, boy. Yeah. yeah. Which is also used to great effect by John Aston. Oh, and a version of it is used by John Aston in The Frighteners. So yeah, but thanks for throwing me off my mojo. The Outlaw Josie Wells, starring Clint Eastwood, starring John Vernon, Sandra Locke, who would become Clint Eastwood's wife. Here's some trivia. It's based on a book that was called that actually got retitled under subsequent publications. But do you know who wrote it? 
He was a former leader of the KKK. <laughs> but it's funny because the movie adaption is very much of the 70s. And we talked about this before, and I want to talk about it again. Tarantino Don't you point says, your finger at me? Westerns represent the decade in which they were made better than any other genre. And he's probably right in the sense of Outlaw Josie Wells has very much an anti-war message. And it came out in 74, 75, right at the time of Vietnam ending down and winding down. It's anti, a lot of it was anti-Vietnam, even though we see Clint Eastwood differently today. Wouldn't you agree, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the other thing. It was written by two screenwriters. One I'm not even going to talk about, not because I don't want to dismiss them, but there's not much to talk about. The other one was Philip Kaufman. Philip Kaufman would go on to give us the best Invasion of the Body Snatchers film. He also did the right stuff, and he's one of the writers of James's favorite movie with a guy who wears a fedora. Philip Kaufman's one of the screenwriters for Raiders of the Lost Ark. He made his living writing screenplays before he became a director. Did you know that he was the original director of The Outlaw Josie Wales? No. Did you know he got fired? No. Do you know he didn't get along with Clint Eastwood? I'll say yes, so I don't have to keep saying no. <laughs> I'm building up to something. Do you wonder why those two men didn't get along? They, their love of pottery. No. Sandra Locke. Oh. Ah, yeah. She got cast. And they were both making a play for Sandra Locke as the story goes. And Philip Kaufman found himself without a job. And Clint Eastwood was put in as director. Now, I find this fascinating because I hear tell, as I was researching this a little bit, that if you go back, you can find a lot of the cast and crew that say, yeah. Technically, that's actually Philip Kaufman's movie because everything was picked out. He'd already started, cast, wardrobe, screenplay, the whole nine yards. Clint Eastwood just said action and direct for the rest of the several months it was shot. <laughs> now, one other interesting thing about this, and I would love to sit here and go on about all the quotes, but I'm not going to do all the quotes, is Chief Dan George was older. Now, Chief Dan George plays one of the Indians. He was an actual Indian in the movie and in real life. He was older and had a hard time remembering his lines. And no matter how many times he would practice them, he would still flub them. And this is how Eastwood directed him. He would say, Dan, Chief Dan, can you just tell me a story about a boy over a mountain? And he was a fantastic storyteller, so he would just do it. So those long soliloquies that you remember, from that is him basically telling those stories in his own words so that he could get that part of the script out. It has fantastic lines all the way through it. One of my favorite is Josie runs into with this guy that's selling this miracle elixir that they you've seen in many Westerns before. And he, all of a sudden Josie spits on his shirt and goes, how does it do for stains? <laughs> Our friends, Craig and Phil, you watch it all the time. I have a really good story, and I think you gentlemen were there too. Maybe we'd had a couple of drinks, and maybe there were black powder pistols being snapped at one another. Maybe this had happened. Does anybody remember? Oh, yes. But there's words. Uh, hold on. There's iron in your words of death, Josie. <laughs> <laughs> this is for looking through. Yeah, this ain't for eating. This is just looking through. I. It has a place in my heart. 
for two reasons. One, I liked it before them. But second reason is I have quoted that movie with Phil and Craig and had so many wondrous times over the years that it just means a lot to me. And I love the outlaw Josie Wells. All right, right, James, that's your segue. All right, well, you all have set me up. Giving you a little bit of trivia and rolling right on. I could give you the plot of outlaw Josie Wells. Just go watch the damn thing. Pretty much, uh, it says it in the title. (laughs) You all have set me up for mine so well because – Chad introduced the concept of Buffalo Soldiers, and you talked about quotability. And for a certain age group, they didn't get introduced to Westerns by your movies. And as we are a pop culture podcast, I need to bring in another area. And that is, of course, the video games. Red Dead Revolver, for a huge population of video game players. They ripped off Eastwood. Isn't most of it just Eastwood? Oh, it's not just Eastwood. It is every spaghetti western ever. It is, and that's why I want to bring it's it up. It's just like Metal Gear Solid. John Carpenter should get a check every time it's, they make it. And by one. the way, James, it's no guns. What? It's no guns. Oh, shut up. Nobody cares about guns. <laughs> guns in it. We're not playing new versions of guns every couple years. Hey, you some bitch, ja- uh, Thomas Jane. Oh, he broke out some bitch. You some bitch, <laughs> Thomas some Jane, bitch. as the cowboy hero in Guns. Beats Red Dead Devolver. Come oh, at me, bro. Hush your mouth. Because Red Dead Revolver. And Lance Henriksen. And what Lance Henriksen. What made Red Dead Revolver so great was. Is that people, they ripped off Clint Eastwood? Well, no, was that if you liked Boom. Westerns, if you liked old school Westerns, when you play this game, it actually had, it plays like a film. There is grit on the reel to reel, so to speak. So it has like the marks where it's an old film when it cuts to movie scenes. But for, for a lot of people who didn't like Westerns, this was, this was basically Rockstar who did Grand Theft Auto, which everybody loved. They were like, well, what if Grand Theft Auto was set in the Old West? And they borrowed not only from Clint Eastwood. They, I mean, before, before Quentin Tarantino got to it, there's an entire boss battle where you battle somebody that dresses as an undertaker, but he drags a coffin around. And what does the coffin have in it? It has his gun, his, his uh, Gatling gun. It borrowed from tons of things, but I want to bring it up because it does play with Western tropes. But what's also important about this game, and I will actually say it's important about this game that's not in the follow-ups. A lot of people, Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2 are the ones that most people talk about. This game is not online. It's nothing like that. It's now You can buy the updated version of it for 8 bucks for PlayStation 4. This is my original copy for the old Xbox. But it switched perspectives. So you play as Red, um, who is a bounty hunter, eventually avenges his, kid, his, his, his killed kin. Uh, Red gets, his parents are killed in front of him because his dad discovers gold. And uh, his dad's partner is, ca- uh, is uh, uh, caught by the Mexican army and they're going to put him to death. And his, da- his dad's partner says, hey, if you let me go, I'll give you half the gold. And so they kill his dad because that way he still gets his half and the Mexican general gets his half and they kill his dad. And he manages to escape. His, the rest of his family is killed. But that's not the only story you follow. After you play it for a little while, all of a sudden it goes, oh, wait a second. Here's some other character. And you play as a Buffalo soldier. And actually the Buffalo soldier in this version is the man with no name. We know Red's name. You know his backstory. The Buffalo soldier doesn't want anybody to know his name because, not shockingly, 
Buffalo soldiers weren't always well loved because of racial tensions and stuff like that. And then you switch to a British trick shooter at one point. You switch perspectives. And that's what I love about this is all the Western tropes from the trick shooters that you would see in Quick and the Dead, which it does borrow from, all the Clint Eastwood stuff, the John Wayne stuff. You have the cowboy that dresses nicely. And of course, red is the down and dirty. So much like Joe said earlier, Westerns represent their age. Well, this plays around with all of that. And it was one of the first time there were other Western video games. You had Sunset Riders back in the day. But Red Dead Revolver is also notable because if you go to the IMDb, IMDb page for this video game, it's quote after quote after quote on the quote page. And they're all stereotypical Western lines. Everything from, if you won't let us dance, we'll make you dance. And then they start shooting at the feet. That's in there. But the, the lines like that, no good governor is going to be sorry he burned down my ranch. I don't think the governor is going to be in a, in a position to be concerned about it. And then they kill the governor. So again, I want to bring it up because we talk, we're a pop culture podcast. We've been talking only about movies. This was one of the first times that it actually felt like you were playing a true old school Western. And it switched all those different, present, uh, different points of view. You got a little bit of posse in here. You got a ton of man with no name. You got a ton of obscure Italian Westerns that aren't Clint Eastwood films. And so if you play this as somebody that loved movies, you were like, oh, that's from that. That's from that. But if you didn't, it introduced you to a lot of that stuff. So I would argue that for a certain age group, Red Dead uh, Revolver and admittedly the sequels, Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2, have introduced a, a bunch of gamers to classical Westerns where they now go online and they're like, oh, that's from that. Now I want to watch the movie. So I was trying to do some pop culture-ness and not just do movies since we're supposed to be a pop culture podcast. Red Dead Revolver, if you've never played it, screw gun. Uh, no, actually, gun's fine. But Red Dead Revolver is a classic in its own right. Well, uh, I can tell you why Gun isn't as, isn't as good. I actually know what Red Dead Revolver is. I have no idea what you're talking about when you say Gun. Gun had a better voice cast, and I'm not knocking oh, yeah. some of Some of the cast in Red Dead Revolver are actors. Was they that did. on 360 or the original Xbox? No, it was the original Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Jane and Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, but the, and so the actors on this, and this had a huge voice cast, if you look it up. And I said... The quote page is pages long because it borrowed from classical Western tropes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the voice cast is much better known on Gun. I just enjoyed the gameplay on Red Dead Revolver. No, I'm just, yeah, I'm just giving you grief. I love the fact that it switched a perspective, and it was really cool that they brought in the Buffalo Soldier, the Trick Shooter, and you know all the stuff that we see in Westerns, but this is one of the first times we you got to actually play them and see them all in one quote-unquote landscape. So... Wanted to bring up a video game, make this actually a little more pop culture, not just about movies. I was like, popular. <laughs> no, I'm nev I've never made anything popular, sir. You hush your mouth. That's not true. You've made lots of things unpopular. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see your point. I said popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see where you could be confused. Yeah. Chad, last one. Uh, all right. So, you know, like I said, again, I'm trying to cover movies that prove that Westerns can do any genre. And uh, oh god, he's going cowboys versus aliens. I was gonna make that joke, but no, <laughs> you some bitch dealing with jokes. Let's do some bitches, James. Uh, I do want to talk about science fiction, and Picture I want to talk. No, I want to talk about Serenity. Yeah. 2005 Serenity. 
uh, which is a uh, written and directed by Josh Whedon. I want to say, is that a Western? But I'm just going. I'm it's a complete joking. Western. I'm uh, just fucking with you. Uh, it stars Nathan Fillion, Al- Nathan Fillion, Al- Alan Tudyk, Gina Torres, Adam Baldwin, and Isha Four. <laughs> Chewy. 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 Is it Chewy? People, I, I know he goes by Chewy on set. Okay, Chewy, easy for him. And, and Monica. Baccarin. Back in Bellucci. Yeah. Uh, the, movie con- uh, the movie actually concludes a short-lived TV show called Firefly and is about the crew of the Serenity who are trying to flee from an evil, corrupt government trying to control the universe. Uh, this was actually Joss Whedon's directorial debut in film. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie when i saw it in the theaters i actually saw it with with uh joe uh really it's one yeah it's one you actually had already seen it and then you took me to see it i it was good i don't hey i'm not arguing that i saw it twice it's a good movie it is a really good film and it's one of those movies where it, it takes a lot to get a an emotional pull out of me and this is one of those movies that did that which is why one of the reasons another reason why i wanted to bring it up it's also uh, why Chad makes an excellent puppy killer. Yeah. No emotions whatsoever. No. Just takes him, drowns him. It's, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to see it. But. You're not a reaver, Mal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, th- one interesting fact I, f- I found about the movie. Do you remember, like, so there's a great fight scene in a bar where River, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the female, is uh, triggered. Summer and she Glau. Goes, huh? Summer Glau. Summer Glau. Right. Uh, yes. Yes, correct. Uh, she gets triggered and she goes at eight ape shit on everybody in the bar and her brother has to come in and whisper something in her ear do you know anything about that scene nope i don't know anything about the movie in fact i was just waiting for you to have a pause so i can say i don't think we should be talking about joss whedon right now i know that's yeah keep going I was did joke. i miss something did joss never do something wrong again? Oh, start googling brother yeah don't <laughs> just yeah. all keeps piling on that guy's not had a last good two or three years yeah and i don't think he's coming back from it which oh, is... i didn't know if there was an update i mean i knew something happened about a year ago it came out but oh, I had... now the dc people are starting to pile on pile on just fired everybody yeah no he just fired everybody oh, so long dc universe uh but the root, the, the scene, the, the the phrase that he whispers is actually a Russian phrase, and this is one of the reasons why I love Josh Whedon. Unfortunately, who appears to have been a very possibly a very bad man. We've never uh, met him. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to say allegedly because I'm holding on to. He hope. had an affair on his wife. That's between he and his wife. Wife, Keep going. Yeah. That's my opinion on that. Yep. Uh, so it, it, it's a Russian phrase that once translated means this hen. This is for hens to laugh. In other words, this is very ridiculous. That's what he's whispering to her as uh, she she uh, finally drops into a coma. That reminds Um, me of a friend of mine wrote a resignation letter once with with a great quote at the end of it in Latin, but none of the people that we were working for or with at the time were were too stupid to Google it to see what it meant. <laughs> James, you, who you, was you, that masked man? Who was that? And what was that sentence, James? I'm sorry. I just want so people know that we're actually cooler than what we seem to be. James, I, I don't know who did it, but I'm pretty sure the Latin translated into "life is too short to dance with ugly women." Yeah. <laughs> True story. Uh, I don't want to get. It, if you haven't seen it, which if you're listening to this show, you probably have seen it. There, there's two very popular characters, deaths. Um, one that's very emotional for me, 
Uh, I actually, I believe I leaned forward in the, in the movie chair and almost yelled, what the fuck? I don't doubt it yeah. because it, it just happened. Both of them just happened. Yeah. It just happened. You don't see it coming. Right. Which either, Joss either, Whedon either, is known for killing. Yeah. And his uh, phrase is, I don't kill people. That's God. Um, I get it. Yeah. Uh, the reason, uh, but these two populars, the reason these two pop, these characters were killed Mm-hmm. Is actually there's actually reasons behind it. They could not commit to the sequels. Alan Tudyk did not commit to the sequel. He he had other projects online, so they he couldn't commit to the to a, doing a sequel. Which there was a plan to do a sequel. Which and the reason behind why it didn't, I find hard to believe. They said he had moved on to working on the Avengers, but this came out well before. That's not Marvel. Accurate. That's not. There's no way that's accurate. Internet. That's not I'm accurate. Sorry. I, I I have a hard time believing. Now, if you told me they both asked for more Ron Glass is passed on now. He's a fantastic yes. actor, played Shepard Book. Yeah. Uh, you would know him from Barney Miller. Well, actually, you probably wouldn't know him from Serenity. <laughs> I don't know what he's going. Yeah. Barney Miller. I would know him from Barney Miller. I knew him from Barney Miller, too. That's he's when, also I, when I first watched the show. I'm like, oh, it's the guy from Barney Miller. Yeah. Uh, and who uh, shares a birthday with me. Well, he did. Rest in peace, Ron Glass. Yeah. Um, no, uh, but yeah, that's what. Uh, several places I saw said that that he and also Josh Whedon um, when he was working on the sequels if they were going to la- if they was going to happen he actually had committed to the fact that he was going to bring them back if they would if they could come back and do a sequel and he would find a way that would be believable which I don't see how that could be well I, I, I think I you could almost bring it back Shepard Book probably a little easier Shepard Book than Alan no you can't bring back Tudyk yeah well, you know, I, I, and what I wanted to say real quick about the, I agree with your pick, Chad. I think that's a great Western that just happens to be in space. And suck two, up. No, no, the two, why would I suck up to Chad? Nobody cares. I don't know. That. You've got <laughs> shit reasons. Look at you. Look at you. I, Wearing a fat man's old shirt from 20 years ago. I don't have nice things. <laughs> no. Rev, revenuers came and took it all. Uh, no. The, um what I, I love that movie though because it it does have that cadence of western quotes oh yeah uh, one of the best quotes on there is where the operative which you can almost think of as a bounty hunter if you want to do a direct western yep. the operative is hired to find them that's who chewy eats before plays um but he has this scene where he goes back and forth with mountain it's it is those great getting ready to duel lines back and forth and where the operative has the line do you know what your uh, sin is mal and Mal's response is, oh, hell, I'm a fan of all seven. But right <laughs> now, I'm going to go ahead and say wrath. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's just great over the top, but so perfect. And it's also smart because he has that entire thing where the operative says to him, you know, that girl is going to bring you all down. She is your albatross. And his response back is, well, if I remember correctly, the albatross isn't a problem until some fool goes and kills it. Yeah. And then everybody looks at him and goes, I've read a poem. And I'm like, that's just a great scene. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Too. Yeah. And his, uh, his whole speech to get them riled up to go, to go into Miranda. Yeah. Well, they're going to die. I mean, the odds yeah. are they're going to die. <laughs> and, I aim to cause some trouble. Yep. Yeah. And some of them do die. That's what's yes. great about Joss Whedon's writing. Yeah, is he he will not spare until we get to that second Avengers movie, and then, then I don't yeah. know what happened there. Now, depending on the studio versus his writing, but yeah, 
He well, unfortunately I, got a bad break with the Avengers. And honestly, I don't know the history behind GLA, but he literally was trying to do somebody a solid and, and pick up and make a film out of what he had. And it didn't work out. No, but, it's not even a movie. It's, 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 it's not watchable. It's no, I mean, anything I suppose is watchable, but it's, it's pretty it's rough. It's yeah. Rough. And I'm sorry. I don't care to see a Snyder's cut. Okay. Much, only thing I know, which I agree with you. I, I'm not in a huge, I will probably watch it when it comes out just because that's what I do. Yeah. And I'll do the same and thing. It'll, it'll be, I'll call it right now. It'll be about 10 to 20% better than the other one. Yep. Maybe. Well, uh, again, I go back to that. One of my favorite reviews from the, with the Exorcist prequel, when the other one finally came out, and the opening line was, "Remember that time when we used to be able to say maybe the unreleased version? Maybe the better. unreleased one was a classic that we'll never get. No, it was just the more boring version." Um, by the way, the, one other quote I've got to bring up now that you brought up Serenity, and it's a quote that I build in, and I don't quote all of it, obviously, but I use this all the time. And this movie is a very quotable movie, by the way. Yeah, ain't logical cutting on his own face, raping and murdering. Hell, I'll kill a man in a fair fight, or if I think he's going to start a fair fight, or if he bothers me, or if there's a woman, or if I'm getting paid, mostly if I'm getting paid. <laughs> and it goes on. But I literally have I've looked at my sister on different occasions, and she's a big fan of the movie, too. I'll kill a man in a fight, or if I think there's going to be a fight. And just remember, if I'm not back in five minutes, you come in there and get me. Now, you bring <laughs> this ship, and ship. you come get me. Yeah. There's the ship. <laughs> risk my ship yep <laughs> i mean I, and the series has a lot of quotable i mean you yeah. really the great thing about serenity is i don't know that you have to see firefly for it to no make, you didn't but it's more enriched if you do because firefly is only 16 episodes it's not much yeah. longer than that yeah, no. well and it does i mean there's some lines that work better if you've seen it uh if you've seen great. it it makes more sense it's it's it, it just, it's a more enriched environment or, or it's more uh, yeah I, and i'll be well, honest you with the, you you get you get the backstory of like kaylee's obsession with the doctor and, yep. and so that line i ain't had nothing twix my nethers that didn't run on batteries for more than six See, we could just sit here and quote yeah. it all day and by the, the way chain to, of command is the chain i beat you with you yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way is, you know yep. i do want to mention the fact that and i'm our few listeners who actually like firefly may get pissed at me that show is amazing. However, if it hadn't can got canceled to when it did, I don't know how high regards it would be held to this day because though those few episodes, everyone's gold. And I just don't know if they could have kept that up. It's difficult to find out. And and the interesting we could do a whole episode on Serenity and how it was made because it doesn't happen. What happened it, that it got made is beyond bonkers because a sh canceled show that wasn't a success that ended up getting screwed by Fox because they premiered, they didn't premiere the premiere episode that came right. later. They premiered another episode. They Star Trek it. Yeah. And then, and then they gets bounced canceled. it. And then they bounced it and it finally gets canceled. And then it got Universal to pick it up and make a major motion picture. Not a Years later. Budget, years later. Years later. And it just kind of goes to towards Joss Whedon wouldn't let it go. Right. Yeah. Well, and I was about to say, and like I said, they, that it, it oddly enough in sci-fi fandom, it did follow the same path of Star Trek to a lesser extent. But yeah, I mean, Star Trek it wasn't a huge box office fit, a hit. The, no, no. The the but I mean, the first episode of Star Trek, the original series, they didn't air the first episode. They jumped straight to the third episode, which is Man Trap. 
And if you've ever seen Man Trap, it's a great episode. It's fine. But it just automatically it. drops you in that world. And it's not the first one they filmed. I mean, it's not even the first, or it's not even the reboot pilot they filmed. It's, oh, third episode, we're going to start with the McCoy episode. And McCoy's not even in the first two episodes. So there yeah. you go. All right. There you go. Joe. It was tough because I could sit here and go on forever and ever and yeah. ever. But yeah. I'll start with a quote. If they move, kill them. <laughs> okay. All these great westerns have great <laughs> quotes, don't they? What? Yeah. What? What is? What I'm I was... gonna line up whores and tandem, tandem, side by side. Yep. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you don't know Peck and Paw. Sam yep. Peck and Paws, the Wild Wild Bunch. Now yeah. it was damn close to being my third pick. Unforgiven beat it out in our first episode. But I could not go two episodes without talking about the Wild Bunch. What were you going to say, Chad? No, I I was going to say you're going to tell your story about dudes, but you just did, so I don't need to say anything. Yeah. So there you go. Right. No, sorry. <laughs> but but the Wild Bunch <laughs> is ahead. an amazing film. It is nonstop. All right. So if you're familiar with the Wild Bunch and you've seen the film, it's basically about the end of the West. A lot of these we're talking about are about the end of the West. They're a bunch of cutthroat villains who it opens up with them robbing a bank and it goes awry. And then they want to do one last score and run away to Mexico, which is a plot we've seen how many countless times before. Correct. And not all in Westerns as well, too. All in Westerns. So Sam, no, not only it's also in other movies that aren't Westerns. <laughs> the last. So a couple of things I want to talk about that I find fascinating. When it came out, John Wayne said they just killed Westerns. Also, another famous director told Peter Bogdanovich, you know, I could have killed 10 people in the time he killed Peck and Paul to kill one. <laughs> Which I find hilarious. Yeah. The scene where they walk, where they get ready to go save their friend at the end when they decided, all oh, hell, they kind of made it, but they take their friend and they're going to get him. That wasn't in the screenplay. Peck and Paul made that all up in the day of. It's called the famous walk scene. And one other interesting find I find is Ben Johnson later told everyone that the Mexican women who were frolicking with him and him and Warren Oates and huge fine vats, wine vats, you know, they weren't actresses. They were actual prostitutes from a nearby brothel. And the reason why Peck and Paul did it was so he could tell everybody that he put prostitutes on Warner Brothers payroll. <laughs> The train robbery itself wasn't also in the script that takes place in the middle of it was improvised on the spot. He actually went over budget from 70 days to 80 some days from about three and a half million to 6 million. <clears throat> it's the same thing with the walk. This angel angel was a character. I couldn't remember. It is one of the bloodiest films of all time. Actually, they cut it when they were right before they released it and it didn't get, I, I can't, couldn't find when they finally, put the footage back into it because it got an X rating at the time of its release. They had to cut it down. It's so bloody at the end. Which is kind of funny because John Rambo, no doubt it got an R. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, <laughs> they threw me off again, damn it. They, it wasn't until a few years ago, gentlemen. I probably got a hernia from that throw then. The late it wasn't until the late 90s. I don't think it was till the 90s that it finally got reinstead to all the the blood was put back in now don't get me wrong it was a pretty gory film yeah it let's see we had struther martin i'm trying to find all the others ernest borgnine 
ah, the cast in this. William Holden played the the lead actor or played the lead. It's just a fantastic cast with a bunch of great Western actors all at the end. Nobody is young in this movie. Nobody is shot young. Agreed. Even the villain is not shot young. Agreed. None of them are shot. Only young person is Angel, their, their Mexican friend that they have to save at the end. The rest of them are haggard, just weary faces, and they're shot to be ugly. It also has some of the best lines from Bo Hawkins. If you guys don't know who Bo Hawkins is. I was, I was hoping you were going to mention Bo Hawkins. So thank you for doing that. But, so there's a scene when he's in the bank. He's a crazy some bitch, And he gets killed off pretty quick, not to give anything away. But he couldn't, Peck and Paul couldn't get an actress to behave the way he wanted to, to give the right. So when Bo Hawkins sticks his tongue in her ear and she screams and sleeps and what, that she didn't know that was coming. Peck and Paul <laughs> told him to do that. <laughs> and that's it. That's a true reaction about Bo Hawkins' tongue going into her ear. She did <laughs> not know that was about to happen with a close-up. So <laughs> Bo Hawkins also has a great line that I love. I don't know why. Why don't you kiss my my black my sister's black cat's ass? <laughs> it I just like it. Hard not to. It's bloody. It's rude. It's crude. A lot of people, when they actually tested it, walked out, uh, said that this is too violent. This is this is just hate and gore for gore's sake. It's not. It's classic. Martin Scorsese tells a story about him getting invited to a preview of it, and there was only a few of them in the room, and he and I can't remember which friend were sitting there, especially when it got to the last act or the last reel, and they were just mesmerized going, we don't know what this is, but this is cinema. This is cinema. The Wild Bunch is a fantastic movie. I think parts of it haven't, and I, I realized why I didn't put it in my top four last week, um, or top three. Parts of it are just a little aged and I'm not talking about the performances or anything, just a little bit of that late sixties, the way you would shoot something a little too much slow motion, a little too much. Do you, do you guys know what I mean? It was a little too stylized and I don't know that that quite has, has aged as well, but it is a fantastic movie. Peck and Paul probably at the top of his game, his last great film. There's great scenes in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which is a movie he'd made a few years later. But overall, it's not The Wild Bunch. Mm -hmm. Getaway also has a few good scenes as well. I could go on and on and on. He would then make such wonderful movies as, oh, what's the trucker one? Oh, you're, oh I'm blanking. Oh, Holy oh. cow. A convoy. Oh. As Peck and Paul went on to do Convoy. He was a drink. He was drink. He would drink and all. Chris the time. Christopherson in that. Chris yes. Christopherson in that. Yes. He's also on Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid just is a also. Just letting you know if you like oh that, also watch that and then watch uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Alfredo Garcia. Those yeah. are and three one, great movies. Uh, Garcia is also stars Warren Oates. And one, and two. And one, two, three. I got a great big convoy. <laughs> I knew he was going to do it. I knew. Yeah, it's not a good movie, which also has Ernest Borgnine in it. Ernest Borgnine, by the way, defended Peck and Paul later on because Peck and Paul was a known drinker and he drank himself pretty much to death. Oh, God, yeah. The man was in his oof. 50s. He wasn't that old. And he mm -hmm. started in television. Actually, I think he was a writer or either creator of Wanted with Steve McQueen. Now, Borgnine said, yes, he drank, but he actually was good to them. 
that he wasn't as mean as people said he was, at least not in that particular movie or other movies they made with him. And he said his drinking was at night and when they weren't shooting. Yes, he was a heavy drinker then, but when he was shooting, they said he was totally... Borgnon said he was a professional. Which... Go ahead. His level of films, you would have to be a professional. The man knew filmmaking. So William Holden told the story about the first day of shooting that he came on, Peck and Paul came on, and they started the scene and realized a bunch of them didn't know their lines. And we're talking about William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, Ben Johnson. Some of these people have been working for, what, 30 years? Mm -hmm. And he didn't yell. He didn't scream at them. He walked over and says, gentlemen, you are professional actors. I expect you to know your lines. And that they dispersed, and all of them went to their places and got their lines down in the next 30 minutes that's all he said to them and it scared the hell out of him he's a small man too he's very small yeah late uh real quick sorry i'm so sorry warren, warren oates actually do a whole episode on peck and paul warren oates actually later on if you like it bring me the head of alfredo garcia it's said that that's actually he's playing peck and paul in that movie the big oh, glasses the whole nine yards he's that was his tribute and he said peck most people didn't even think peck and paul knew where he's knew that that was who he was playing, but Warren Oates is playing pickleball. All right, James, transition. Uh, I, I, this is, well, this one's going to be another one, and this actually is one that I went Another video and, game? No. I'm, We're here to talk about the greatest, greatest Western movies. Now, let me tell you no, about you the Choose Your Western. Own Adventure. <laughs> You said greatest westerns, and in all fairness, if we're going to call ourselves a pop culture podcast, yes, yes, yes. What's your next one? Uh, I'm going to go with one that when I saw it in theaters for the first time, I actually walked out going, "I don't know." I've cut it a couple times since then, and it's 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 a western that's got some psychology to it. It's slow in parts and fast in others. It's got a great cast. Uh, and, and one of my favorite lines from it, actually, there's two lines that I love from it. One I'll talk about in a second, but I do love the line, I told you you'd never hang me, Cole. Never ain't here yet. Appaloosa, directed by Ed oh, Harris, yeah. which probably owes its origin to the fact Open Range did pretty well. Appaloosa did not do as well. That, so, real quick, no criticism. I, I enjoy that movie, but man, it is a slow build. Well, and I was about to say, that's and one that's, that I can I can tell you frame before I can't tell you frame by frame, but I can tell you a lot about Open Range. Appaloosa is one of those I enjoy, but I can't tell you everything mm -hmm. about it now. Um, many years later, it's it's Ed Harris, Viggo Mortensen, Renee Zellweger, Jeremy Irons, Lance Henriksen, Timothy Spall. I mean, just a great cast. It is a traditional western, but it plays with the traditional western. One of my favorite scenes that where I literally in the theater went, "Whoa, well, that was quick." <laughs> it's a shootout scene. And literally the line in the movie is, um, uh, well, uh, hold on. Well, that was quick. Yeah, everybody was a good shot. And they're, they're, one, of, they, one of them has been shot in like the shoulder, but they're, it, they set up the duel. Did Ed Harris direct it? Yes. Yes, Ed Harris directed it. So, uh, so it, again, it is, it is a traditional Western, but it's got some psychology to it. Basically, there's a romance angle. Ed Harris's character starts to fall in love with Renee Zellweger, who is widowed. But of course, in the West, she's a woman. She doesn't have access to anything. He has an entire rant where he realizes that she also has been more or less because the, the person he's up against is a judge. And she's also been flirting and all that stuff. And he has a line that basically she'll be with anybody that ain't gelded. And so there's a love triangle. There's some psychology to it. But again, 
it's a love triangle in the old west with shootouts and and a search for justice and the idea and it puts everything in a time frame one of uh, Vigo Mortensen's character has a line that he's a graduate of West Point he is an educated man but soldiering didn't leave any room for his heart in other words he couldn't be who he was and fit himself in that uniform which is why he ends up in the West and it ends kind of anticlimactically with him basically hoping things work out with it for his friend as he leads it uh and that doesn't give it the ending of the movie really away but it sets this up this idea of again kind of the fading of the west he is he no longer is a soul he couldn't be a soldier but he also realizes the west isn't for him anymore because everything's disappearing and he his friend wants to settle down his friend's getting old and it's getting harder to do those shootouts and it's getting harder to do all these things so appaloosa it's not as good as open range to me but it's one of the movies the first time i saw it i was like well that was an experience and i've seen it a couple times since then and it is more of a it's not an action film action western it's more of a psychological western yeah it is a very slow it is a very slow movie it is but it deals it deals with some of and not not to draw a star trek illusion but it's kind of star trek too it deals with the fact that they're aging Mm-hmm. And you know Ed Harris's character wants that life of having a wife, of having permanence, of having, but he can't do that and be who he is, and and his quest and all that stuff. So I I like the fact that it plays around. I, I went back and forth about including it, but it was one of those movies that I was like, if I'm debating this much whether or not it belongs, I probably need to talk about it because it did something as a western that I can't point to another western that did that. I think The Missing uh, by Ron Howard, which is, God, talk about a slow movie. Woo! Uh, the Missing didn't pull that off. But Appaloosa does something The Missing failed to do. And by the way, if anybody wants to defend The Missing, good luck to you. I don't, I, I mean, no offense. Ron Howard makes great movies. The Missing is not one of them. And I don't know why it's not, because it's got a great cast. The Missing sucks. All right. All right. So we can do some honorable mentions? May I be here all day? Well, I was well, about to say you want to do a couple honorable mentions. Let's just do one uh, or two. Yeah, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna break the rule. I'm gonna do three because I want to talk about if we did a westerns part three. These are the three I would pick. Uh, so first, tied with the first two, High Noon and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, my third favorite western of all time, Tombstone. And yeah. you know, and we have some good stories to tell about. Yes, Tombstone. we did. We, we got can. some great stories. Um, on, on Bill Sandel. Yeah, Bill Sandel. Um, Net, oh, by the way, he was quoted in an article I read today, which was interesting, about working on a Total Recall. Was it? I believe. Um, yeah. yeah, he. Yeah, uh, yeah about how everybody got sick. Uh, but no. Um, so, in terms of cultural relevance, a Western where the female was the lead, the quick and the dead. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's. Yeah, and Ramey says fun. he dropped the ball on it. And he regrets it. There were not regrets making, but he blames himself. Yeah, how the movie came out, but I, I, it's a lot of fun. It's real. It's a lot of fun, and Sam Ra- and this again proves why Sam Ra- for I don't know about James, but Sam Raimi is one of Joe's and I's favorite directors. It's why we're still friends. <laughs> it's why we became Fuck friends. You, to be- green beans that neither one of you would take. Yeah, it's Dude, why I, we became. I grew up on a farm. Do you know how many green beans are coming to me from my parents' farm? I just I get them through the CSA. I just didn't want them. I won't eat them. I don't like them. My kid won't eat them at school, but not at home. Keep going. And then my third pick, uh, because again, showing how westerns can fit any genre, which we're going to talk about the horror, Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk is a really good movie. 
Yeah. And then my, my, my last I've enjoyed mention, all that guy. I've enjoyed all three of that guy's movies. Yeah. Every single one. Uh, S Craig Zoller. Yes. Craig Zoller. Yeah. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bone Tomahawk is a great male movie. It was his feature debut. It actually was only shot in 21 days, but it is a premier example of how that uh, horror movie can be made in a Western. That and it's it's got oh that movie's got some great dialogue. That's actually probably his best movie. As much as I enjoy uh, Brawl and Cell oh, Block Ninety Nine and Dragged Across Concrete, which is almost two and a half hours long. Yeah, I still need to see it. It's it's good. It's enjoyable. It's got some good performances. It's if you've seen the other two, then you know where you're you know what you're getting. Yeah. But Bone Tomahawk, man, because people think that Kurt Russell grew that beard out for one that I would recommend the hateful eight, but it's actually from the, he shot that after he shot bone Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't seen bone Tomahawk, please check it out. It's a really great film. Um, and then real quickly, I'm going to talk about the, uh, just briefly mentioned that my favorite, one of my favorite movies from last year, the sister brothers with Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley. I haven't seen it. again, proving that John C. Riley is an underappreciated actor. And that's he's not just that, a comedic actor. He's, he's working, though. He's working, but he's not just a comedic actor. That man can do anything. Yeah. Guys, go. Um, real quick, I'll just name two. I, I love The Hateful Eight, but another one, as much as I'd like to say Django Unchained, I want to say Django. I'm going to steal this one from James, if you don't mind. No, good. James is the one that introduced me to Django, the original Django. And that movie is so much fun, where he brings in the casket full of guys. I just can't recommend that one high enough. I just can't. Yeah, nope. Fantastic movie. Please check it out. I can keep, oh my God, High Plains. I could just keep going. What is, what yeah. you use a Pale, Pale Rider is another good one. Pale Rider, Rider which some people consider Pale Rider in the same vein as High Plains. It Drifter. is. I prefer High it Plains is. Drifter, but yeah. Well, yeah, but James? I, you know, I've got to bring up a couple. Uh, one I want to bring up just because I think a lot of people uh, would be shocked that we're not going to met. I know you want me to wrap up, even though you went on for 30 minutes about your movie. Uh, but Which Dead one? Man, the one you did, uh, I don't know. Oh, the Jim Jarmusch? Jim Jarmusch. I think yeah, Dead Man. I, that's on so many lists, by the way, if you Google them. And I maybe I need to go back because in the, in the 90s, I thought this is stupid. I still think well, Dead I, Man, I, it's it has not, a great cast. Yes. That's what I was going to say. It's got a great cast and it's got a lot of, a lot of people pick it out because it actually looks at the cultural overtones. I wanted to at least mention it. And that's what I want to do. I'm going to move on from it. Uh, Neil Young did do the score for it though. So it's got a great pedigree going into it. Uh, it's not, I didn't name it as one of my top six, obviously. I've got to mention a couple that are just stupid fun. And one of those has to be Maverick. Both the television Maverick is good. Maverick, Maverick is a lot of fun. Maverick is Maverick a lot of fun. fun. And I've got to mention one as an honorable mention because I don't know how they pulled it off. It's a TV movie. Oh, actually, there's two TV movies I need to mention. One is Evil Roy Slade <laughs> with John Astin. Uh, it's it's not Blazing Saddles. No, and I know what you're talking about. It's just... <laughs> it is a great it's evil roy slade it's played by john astin and i didn't even I, that movie i never thought about it until it you just said it it does some, out chad it didn't make a lot of top 10 lists yeah sure. well but evil roy slade if you've never seen it it is way it was a tv movie that's way funnier than it has any right to be are you that's an entire the apple dumpling gang uh, no, uh, to me, Evil Roy Slade is funnier, though I do appreciate the Apple Dumpling game. I think the sequel is better, though. Uh, bring your own rope to your hanging. 
uh, anyway, uh, Evil Roy Slade basically is about Evil Roy Slade. It's John Aston. He goes to prison. He gets out. He falls in love, and he tries to become a good person, and he just can't because he's evil. Um, it's kind well, of they named Austin- him Evil Roy Slade. Yeah. What did they expect? It's not like um, they named him Good Guy Jim. Much, much like though with the uh, the challenges with Blazing Saddles, there's some jokes, even though it was a TV movie, that you could not do today that are in Evil Roy Slade. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's got James. some. Yeah. Tell Joe who wrote it. I don't know who wrote it. Gary Marshall. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that Gary? I didn't know that, Chad. I didn't look it up. It's just going to be my honorable mention. But the other we one won't I have to mention. I went on on Gary Marshall. By the way, I like Gary Marshall. I think Gary Marshall is a very funny guy. I'm not defending myself now for this. Uh, but anyway, do it later. the other one I want to mention sues me. is a TV movie that deserves some credit for pulling off reuniting every Western character in or every character in Westerns from TV back in the day. And I'm referring to, of course, the epic TV film starring America's hero, Kenny Rogers. Not the gambler, sir. I'm talking about The Gambler Returns, The Luck of the Draw. Why am I picking that movie? Not because it's good. I don't but know. That you movie, could have picked Six Pack. No, no, no. That movie is relevant because if you were – my dad didn't like the movie, but he would sit there and watch it for one reason. If you were a fan of Western TV shows, 50s, 60s, or 70s, Guess who they had cameos from in this movie? And they were playing the characters they used to play. Bat Masterson is played by Gene Barry. Wyatt Earp is played by Hugh O'Brien. The Rifleman appears, played by Chuck Connors. His son, Mark, played by the guy that played his son, Mark, Johnny Crawford. Kane from Kung Fu. uh, David Carradine appears. Westerners, Brian Key shows. Uh, The Virginian shows up. And, of course, Brett Maverick from Maverick, they all have to team up with the gambler to go on a quest to save these children. I don't actually know what they're saving, but it was literally, I can remember my dad watching going, this isn't good, but God, look at, there's Bat Masterson. You see that Bat Masterson? He's on that TV. I, I, my dad doesn't well, say the anymore. same thing about Maverick, though. Maverick has all those people in James, even James Garner. Well, and that's what I mean, but they, I, I would love the original to original Maverick. I would love to be in the scene where they're like, okay, we need, you know, Brett Maverick, or we need him to, we need Chuck Connors and, and James Garner to do this scene with the gambler as they go right into this epic confrontation. Because in my mind, I just would have loved to be on set. Because if you did watch, I mean, I watched all that stuff in reruns with my dad. That had to be a cool moment when you're like, holy crap, Brett Maverick and, and the Rifleman are riding side by side. I find it funny that that James Garner sued to get out of his Brett Maverick contract, as I recall, right? And would end up not only playing his father but also brett maverick and the gambler returns i did not know that james buried Uh, the lead on the gambler returns you know who else was in the posse you said posse right yeah posse you know who else was in the gambler's posse who Who? claude aikens as teddy roosevelt anyway you mentioned that by the way joe sheriff lobo that is so dumb (laughs) that is so dumb anybody out there right now going Sheriff Lobo. The funny part about that. Why don't they bring the way, that out on DVD? Uh, by the way, Joe, is that he also did the new Maverick, which he did as a TV movie that was going to lead to another series, but he did it while he was on a break from the Rockford Files. And then he actually was also involved in the young Maverick, which was going to be a spinoff that followed his son. 
I'm but it never got positive past that if you Google it, that James Gardner sued to get out of his Brett Maverick contract. I'm I think almost so. But well, because and, and that was one of the things he was supposed to be. If you're a big Maverick fan, if you're not, you should watch the series. But by the eighth episode, they, they were afraid that he was going to leave because he didn't want to. Uh, he he already was getting tired of playing the character, and they had established that Maverick was an only child. But on the eighth episode, it was like, oh, here's your brother Ben, or no, no Bart. There's Brett and Bart, and then their long-lost uh, brother, their youngest brother, was Ben. Let's just do a whole episode on Claude Aikens. I mean, if Dom DeLuise <laughs> is our number two episode on SoundCloud, Claude Aikens has got to be. He's in that John Mellencamp movie that he wrote, directed, and starred in in the early 90s, too. Okay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He plays his de- bastard dad. Anyway. Uh, I, I, if we're going to do Claude Aikens, we got to do Clancy Brown, too. Maybe that's what our claim to fame should be. We're going to do pop culture. We'll talk about everything that Claude Aikens and Clancy Brown appeared in. If only we could get them on the show, I would shit a brick to interview Clancy Brown. Oh, my, oh well, actually, my God, yeah. Clancy Brown uh, on Twitter just posted one of his first um, – uh, oh, where they send him out the face facial shots. That's not what they're called. You facial shots. No. He was trying um, to find a posse for headshots. facial shots. Headshots. And, and so he actually did a challenge where he posted your headshot, and then he tagged other people. I think he t- tagged Mark Hamill to show how they got into acting back in the day when the headshots, you know, you had to have them printed. And yes, mailed. James, we're all familiar. We've somehow gotten from Bat Masterson to headshots. Anyway, in the old West, you had these headshots. And I didn't. I, I stopped myself because I was going to recommend a South Korean western too. But now I'm. I'm t- nope. Back to the Future Three. No, the Good, the Bad, and the Weird. That's, I've never seen that. Oh, it's good. It's fun. It. It's very it. fun. All right, guys. Well, that's been Westerns Part Two. If you really enjoyed this, please let us know. We'll be more than happy to do a third episode on Westerns. I can't. I just picked all. I showed them. <laughs> oh no! I, uh, I you can show on. your. You can show it again. I people could keep doing it. Over over. Uh, there's plenty. I more. mean, I know not to pick anything that's not a movie now. And with that, we will see you later. Thanks <laughs> so much. This has been Bonehead. Write them up. Oh my God. Grrrr. <laughs>